4: Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Berenz. The players, the hustlers, the people of Bustle and everybody else in between throwing it down. Sunday, bloody Sunday, has begun. Series XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid. Radio networks. The Major League Baseball trade deadline rapidly approaching. And there's been more deals than a Las Vegas blackjack uh, table. The Texas Rangers continue to be super aggressive as the Rangers acquire Max Scherzer from the New York Mets. Then they bring in Jordan Montgomery from the St. Louis Cardinals. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals have been busy uh, today. They trade Jordan Hicks to the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays now have a strong uh, back end to their bullpen with Romano and with Hicks. The New York Yankees get pummeled uh, tonight. They struck out 18 times. It's actually the most they've ever struck out against the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles and the Yankees have been playing since 1903. 18 strikeouts for the New York Yan- Yankees. The Yankees one and two since Aaron Judge comes back, and for whatever reason, Aaron Judge not in the lineup as uh, the Yankees are running out a racetrack, even though it's early in the season. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. As Yogi Berra once said, it gets late early out here, and it's getting late early uh, out there right now. Major League Baseball, as far as the wild card, is concerned. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels win earlier today against the Toronto Blue Jays, and then they acquire Randall Grishik and C.J. Krohn from the Colorado Rockies. The Los Angeles Dodgers lose today, and not only did they lose the game, Mookie Betts has a sore ankle, Um, JD Martinez left the game, and uh, oh yeah, Will Smith got hit by a pitch. Other than that, and besides the fact they lost 9-0, JD Martinez uh, left with a hamstring uh, strain, Will Smith got hit by a pitch, (laughs) and Mookie Betts didn't play because he's got a sore ankle. Other than that, everything's great uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Jason B. Takafin returns to the rotation tonight. Jason B. Takafin, three-time champion with the Toronto Blue Jays organization, general manager, smart guy, Jason B. Takafin talks baseball with us uh, tonight. Mo Khan kicks it with us as well. Mo Khan actually was uh, keeping score tonight for ESN television. The Montreal West and the Calgary Stampede Peter CFL action. And it was a wild ending to the football game. The Montreal Alouettes beat the Calgary uh, Stampeders uh, tonight in the MTL. And for those of you that uh, listened to the show last week, we talked a lot about how the Calgary Stampeders never win in Montreal for whatever reason. Do they party too hard? Is it just this or that or whatnot? I told you I knew somebody on the Stampeders for like 12 years, and he personally told me. It was funny because he was on the Calgary Stampeders, but then after he was on Montreal, Nick Lewis the uh, CFL all-time leading wide receiver. And Montreal were bad when he was on the team, and they were they were like 16-point underdogs or something. Like, they were really bad. And Calgary was playing in Montreal, and he told me. And I said, really? He goes, trust me. And... Talked about like them having a team party in Montreal all the time, and how like they never won. Like you know, what I mean, he said even if they're good, like you know, he said we never won with Calgary and Montreal. History repeats itself. Zero seven now. Two and twelve last fourteen. Let's roll. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable O'Marensia. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people of Bustler, but everybody else in between. Let's do this thing. Sunday, Bloody Sunday, has begun. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. Countdown to kickoff is on. NFL preseason starts on Thursday night. Major League Baseball trade deadline rapidly approaching, and the dealing has begun. There's going to be nobody left to trade by the time uh, the deadline uh, gets here. Max Scherzer has been dealt from New York to Texas. The Texas Rangers continue to be all in they also uh, acquired Montgomery uh from the St. Louis uh, Cardinals the Cardinals also dealt Jordan Hicks to the Toronto Blue Jays the Angels were busy tonight they Bring back C.J. Crone, Randall Grishik, uh, acquired from the Colorado Rockies. The Angels beat the Blue Jays earlier in the day, and the Angels are all in in the wild card chase, but they're not the only ones. Now the question is, what happens to Justin Verlander? Buster Only is reporting, or at least saying, tonight, uh, during tonight's telecast, that the Baltimore Orioles are the frontrunners uh, right now for Verlander. Verlander's owed a lot of money. All right, uh, not so much this year, but next year. And there's one thing that the owner in Baltimore has not done, and that's spend money. All right, the Baltimore Orioles are almost good just by accident because he doesn't want to spend any money. And it's like a broken clock is right twice a day. If you stockpile top-tier draft picks every year, eventually some of them have to be good, right? But I don't know. We haven't seen Baltimore spend money. I'm not so sure that they will. And I'm pretty sure the Texas Rangers have to be out of players to trade. But they're actually not. <laughs> like, would the Rangers actually just say, you know what? Let's bring in Verlander as well. Or oh, well, the Houston Astros. The Los Angeles Dodgers got punched in the mouth today by the Cincinnati Reds. And not only did they get punched in the mouth by the Reds, but J.D. Martinez has a hamstring straight. Uh, will Smith got hit by a pitch. And Mookie Betts is injured. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers right now are on the clock, except I really don't know what much more moves they can make. There are a couple of pitchers still available, but as far as big-time bats are concerned, they're just not on the market. we got a full house on the program tonight. A lot of stuff to break down. Everybody's getting hurt. NFL training camp. This is Sports Rage. I am Bring it.
3: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts
2: You are listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Morinzi.
4: All right, let's roll. We got a full house on the program uh, tonight. Mo Khan's going to step up and in. We've got Jason B. Takafin, a three-time champion with the Toronto Blue Jay Organization and their general manager, their A-ball affiliate. And a bunch of his players, like, are in the league now, like big time guys. And a bunch of them got traded uh, today as well. So Jason returns to the rotation. Ian Cameron steps up and in. We'll talk college football, NFL football, CFL football. We've got the Women's World Cup uh, tonight. High stakes tonight at uh, 3 a.m. Pacific. I guess uh, what six in the morning. Six in the morning on the East Coast, Canada and Australia. Women's World Cup and it's one of those wild games in which you could finish in first place in the group you could get eliminated from the group <laughs> right it's it's there's a lot of different scenarios for Australia and Canada um and Nigeria coming into this uh th- this round of play tonight Canada just need a draw to advance yet i do believe the manager of Canada Bev Priestman when she said that if you play for a draw, you're playing to lose, basically, right? She said, "If you're playing for, to for a draw, you're not playing to win, and you're not playing up to your strengths." And she said, "We're not just going to play for a draw." And I actually agree with that. Sort of like uh, prevent defense prevents you from. Uh, well, we know the prevent defense prevents you from covering, but it can also prevent you from winning uh, as well. All right, there's a lot of stuff to unpack. Bad day. Uh, today for running backs uh, once again. Things have escalated extremely quickly in Indianapolis where they're saying Jonathan Taylor, now Jonathan Taylor says he's got a, a bad back, and um, the Indianapolis Colts are reportedly threatening him to put him on the physically unable to perform list, and he wouldn't get paid. <laughs> so... Remember, we've talked about this about running backs just saying, you know what, I'm hurt, even if they're not. So, this, and by the way, Taylor also last night asked for a trade or over the weekend, whatever. He met with Ursay, and Ursay's got like a motorhome on the practice field, essentially, a luxury motorhome, RV type of deal. And Taylor went into it and came out of it saying, I want a trade. This thing is, has escalated quickly. A lot of football talk. A bad day for the running backs uh, today in Seattle. Walker and Charbonnet uh, both got hurt. Let's bring in Mo right now, who just kept score for TSN Television. Uh, Montreal beat the Calgary Stampeders tonight. CFL play. Mo, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Have we lost Mo? All right, we'll uh, reconnect uh, with Mo. I believe uh, we're setting up. Uh, here right now with Mr. Khan, who actually I was worried he was going to get struck by lightning tonight because the, the stadium was nearly struck by lightning. What is it with this like, with, with, with these delays all the time? Seems like every game I bet on, whatever league, whatever country it's in, whatever race, it's like I bet on a, you know, <laughs> whatever I bet on, it's like, yeah, it's delayed by rain right now. I bet on an AFL game. Well, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's lightning uh, right now in Australia where we're in a delay. Man, rain is just wrecked havoc. Except I tell you what, sometimes it can help you. If you have the over, like it's happened a couple of times where we've had the over and it's really bad weather and then they stop the game and it's kind of like it's kind of helpful. But I actually think I've noticed right, we see this. Like you're you're tired. You've been in the you've been in the stadium for seven hours, whatever. The night starts to drag, man. Like there's only so many times you're a player, you can you can get re fired up. In the stadium, but it turned into an entertaining game late. Mo Khan steps up and in with us right now. And, Mo, I was just saying I'm glad that you didn't get struck by lightning uh, tonight as the lightning uh, struck in Montreal and the game was delayed. Thanks for joining us. How you doing?
2: Uh, I'm well, Gabe. Thank you so much. I got caught in the post-game storm, and there's lightning strikes all over the city as we speak. So it took me a little bit longer to get home. It took me almost an hour and ten minutes to get home. Normally it takes me about twenty-five minutes to get home, but uh, definitely a wet one here at the Montreal for the football game that it was.
4: I was watching the broadcast and. Um... And Matt Dunnigan actually had a very good point when he said, Why is it that the it's too dangerous for the players to play, but the fans are still sitting in the stands? And it was actually, it was actually a pretty good point. And I was thinking, Well, they're Montrealers. That's why. <laughs> they just, they're like, Yeah, well, whatever. Like, they're just you know, a bunch of people drinking beer in the rain. It's like, You know, there's lightning going off here. right? And they said, No, 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 don't worry. It'll, it, it'll be all right. But, um, wild ending to to the football game. The Montreal yeah. Alouettes had a chance to ice the game and uh Fajardo missed a wide open wide receiver that really would have just, yeah. you know, finished it off and in Calgary <laughs> nearly score late but turning to an entertaining game and Montreal needed that win. You know, three-game losing streak. They needed to stop the bleeding. They played a pretty tough schedule so far along the way. Even the record at three and three, big win for Montreal. And I took Montreal. I bet on them. And I told people the historical perspective, Mo, about how Calgary always lose in Montreal. Now, one and six straight up. Their last seven, zero oh, and seven against the spread. Historically, they've always struggled in Montreal. Nick Lewis once told me is because they always party. And they have, like, an annual party in Montreal, and they look forward to going there. So, and that was straight from Nick Lewis, right? And so, yeah. I don't know if that was the case tonight, but defense stepped up big for Montreal tonight. And that was the only touchdown of the game, Mo. You had to score a lot of field goals tonight. Yeah,
2: no, it, like, it Montreal's deep played very well. Jake Mayer had no time. He got rushed. He got hit. Uh, quite a bit. He got sacked, I think, three, four times in the football game. Uh, this was a defensive slugfest. Uh, even Montre- even Calgary, they were throwing blitzes at Cody Fajardo, and they couldn't get to Fajardo. They they, they didn't sack him once, but they hit him a lot. And I think what it came down to is that Calgary was ineffective in the red zone when they had chances chance to go for touchdowns. And that's what's been killing them all season long. I, look, coming to the game, both teams are banged up can a little more in terms of the list of players not available to them. I think in the long view of how this game played out, Montreal was the better team. They were much more prepared on defense, and they executed their game plans to near perfection. And this is massive game because think about it now. We're only what, week eight of the CFL season. Right? For those who are not familiar, there's that crossover rule where a team from the West could cross over vice versa for a playoff spot. And it could very well be a crossover uh, competition with Calgary in play here. And for them to lose this game against Montreal, um, I'm not saying that it's all over for Calgary, but this definitely a big loss for them because it might cost them a chance for number three in the West and maybe a chance to cross over the playoffs come November.
4: And there's the saying, right? It doesn't matter if you win a game and you lose the next game. You've got to string wins together. And... Montreal have a chance to do this against Hamilton. Hamilton were lucky to beat uh, Ottawa. Horrible play calling cost the Red Blacks late. Uh, uh, There was nearly another Dustin Crumback. But the play calling handcuffed them late. They should have won the football game. They they lose Bo Levi Mitchell again. The Hamilton Tiger Cats actually have opened up as three-point favorites in this game. Saturday night against uh, Montreal. I think Montreal... Can win this game on Saturday. Actually, this is another very big one as far as the playoff picture is concerned.
2: Oh, I agree with you. I think Montreal has less question marks coming to this football game against the Cats. Whereas Hamilton, look, you have to wonder on that final play or second to final play when Bo Levi got hurt. is now out for pretty much for the rest of the summer to early fall. Well, who made that call? Who made the decision for him to go for that uh, quarterback sink when there was no need to? And, and now the, the, the pressure is immense, in Hamilton gave because you think about who's hosting the Great Cup, it's Hamilton. Right? Bob Young, the owner of the Ticats, put a lot of investment towards player resources to make this team a Great Cup contender. And so far, they've crashed and burnt onto the soil that they're in right now in Hamilton. And you have to run for Orlando Steinhauer, I think he, his credit's starts to run a little bit short because, again, he's put together a team that was supposed to make a deep run, but right now it's flouting with Montreal and Ottawa for number two, three, and four in the East. If they don't make the playoffs here, Gabe, you have to wonder how much changeover there will be in Hamilton because they thought they would be in the Great Cup or think they will be in the Great Cup in late November. And where they are right now, with so many question marks at the quarterback position.
4: Yeah, not to mention, they got, like, the highest-paid quarterback in the CFL killed while trying to take a knee.
1: The
4: late-night anger management class, this is SportsRage. Countdown to kickoff is on NFL football on Thursday. Bring it
0: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the
0: muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
1: Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down, or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more.
5: Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee Governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen posed that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore
1: This lady says I'm an artist. You? An artist?
0: Your husband's work is what we call outsider art. It could be by a mental patient or a hillbilly or a
1: chimpanzee.
4: Let's roll. Sunday, buddy, Sunday. This is Sports I am Gabriel Maranci. Serious XM Channel 159. We'll get into some NFL football uh, with Mo Khan. I just wanted to ask him a couple of more CFL questions. Mo Khan kicking with us uh, right now. TSN former wide receiver, uh, Mo Codd in a house, meteorologist, man of uh, many trades. So, uh, Mo, the uh, the Toronto Argonauts look unstoppable right now. Chad Kelly, this guy's just dialed in. He's got I – mean, like, he really is. He's just totally dialed in like every play is the championship on the line. He's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. We know about his athletic ability. He could have been in the NFL. You know, he drank his way out of the league – Immaturity, youngness, and he had an alcohol problem. He had, he's, you know, he's clearly um, battled his demons and defeated uh, the demons for the time being. And he's defeating everybody on the football field. But it's not just him; they're just a they're, they're just a damn good team. That they're not just winning; they're they're smoking and murdering teams along the way. Do you think that they can run the table and go eighteen zero this year?
2: No, no, they won't. They won't. They won't, Gabe. But the CFL, it's so – I mean, look, the NFL is the hardest league we know, right? But the CFL is harder because you play, you know, that extra game. But Chad Kelly, I call him a game manager because he has, he's had his wow moments against Edmonton back in week two it was out, out in Edmonton. But he's managed games. There, there, there isn't much for him to do. He's made some clutch throws here. But the reality is that defense is nasty good. He's got playmakers to work with. Right? He's got a very good running game. He's got a very strong O line. And well, that will let
4: Ryan... guys unbelievable
2: at running back. AJ, exactly. AJ Willett, and you got, you got Andrew Harris, who's going to go to the Hall of Fame uh, as his backup. And I think Ryan Dinway's kind of made this more of a vanilla offense for him, right? Just kind of getting him easily uh, immersed into this whole process. Because, quite frankly, right, coming in, no one would have thought Chad Kelly would be a week one starter because they thought that that's the little Thompson would be coming back. Uh, for the season, which he did not do so. And I think now, moving toward the second half of the season, I think we'll see a, a more of a Chad Kelly for the playbook because I think he'll be much more comfortable in the playbook. I think he'll be uh, more refined to make those tough throws rather than the easy chuck and duck that he's done so far. So I think Chad Kelly's been great, but not been good, but not great
4: yet. But I think we can see more from him going toward the second half of the year. Man, Mo's a harsh critic. Mo Khan kicking it uh, with you know. <laughs> you know what I'll say, Mo? I think they can go undefeated. They've already played the BC Lions. They don't play them again. So they don't play the Lions again. The next time they play the Lions, they going to be in a great cup. They do go to Winnipeg later in the season. The only thing I would say why they wouldn't run the table is they don't have to. So I'm just stating, like, if they're 14-0 or something like that, I mean, if they're probably already mathematically wrapped this division up, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying, or they're a couple of weeks, they're a couple of weeks yeah. away from it. So I'm just stating they won't have to. But like I said, they're not really playing close games. Like they haven't been in a close game yet this year. Even when they don't play well, they still win by double digits. And if you look at their schedule, up next is um, Argos at Stampeders. All right, yeah, so this right, week, right. Friday night, kind of a tough game. I think the Argos will beat them. Red Blacks yeah. at Argos, Argos will beat them. Stamps at Argos, Argos will beat them. Argos at Ticats, they can beat them. Owls at Argos, Argos at Owls, Cats at Argos. Argonauts at Bombers, uh, September the 29th. Elks at Argonauts, Red Blacks at Argos, Argos at Riders, Argos at Red Blacks. It's definitely doable. And Just for the record, though, it goes to show just how hard it is in pro football to be undefeated. We know about the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Being the only Mm -hmm. team in NFL history, only one team ever, everybody, has ever run the table in the CFL. And, man, Warren Moon was on the Edmonton Eskimos, and they are freaking good. But the 1948 Calgary Stampeders went 14-0. The 1948 Calgary Stampeders. So that's the last time it's ever been done. So it is pretty, you know, it's quite the accomplishment if the Argos would be able to pull it off. And the last one I wanted to ask you, do you think the Elks go 0-18?
2: I think that's more likely than than the Army's going to be. <laughs> I, I And you know, I, I was speaking to someone at the CFL game tonight. A former player who was there to watch the fan, and and he believes that that team, uh, the Elks, they're not playing for Chris Jones anymore. And, and the irony game, and for those who are not familiar with the CFL, uh, there's a coaching cap, right? You have max ten coaches on your staff, and that's it. So you can't go more than that. If a guy leaves, then you cannot replace that guy. The irony to this whole rule for the CFL coaching cap was because of Chris Jones, when he was – and, and, and Brod said, no, 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 no. We're going to put a coaching cap, 10 max coaches. So the Elks are in a stuck between a rock and a hard place where they cannot fire Chris Jones because he essentially occupies four titles in Edmonton, being the GM head coach, D.C., and another uh, uh, title to go with it. So they're, they're stuck with him, Gabe. They can't fire him. And Chris Jones is loyal to a T, to his staff members. So you have to wonder what's going to get for this team here. They have no quarterback play. Uh, that team has been misconstrued. It has not been built properly. And I have a lot of gaping holes in that roster. And I feel bad for everything, Gabe. You know the city very well. They're the city of champions back in with the and of the old Eskimos. And now they have nothing to play for. And it's going to be apathy at its finest with the empty fan
4: base and its club for the rest of the year. That's why it's now known as Deadmonton. Not to mention the Oilers and their their playoff <laughs> <Yeah>. misery. Uh, <laughs> Mo Conk, what <K-W-S>, I am? <laughs> Gabriel Moretzi. So, so, let's switch over to the National Football League. And yeah. this thing has escalated quickly. We spoke about the running back situation last week. And right. I think the running back's anger is misguided and misplaced. They should be mad at their own union for allowing it to get like this. That the fact that punters, on average, make more money than they do... That's on the union. Like, the union is supposed to be looking out for their players, and they clearly didn't look out for the running backs. Jonathan Taylor's contract is up after this year, yet he's not waiting, like, basically, for this. He's escalated it himself, and so is Ursay. Ursay, you know, cryptically tweeted out the other night, That if I die tomorrow and Jonathan Taylor retires tomorrow, nobody will care. And the NFL will go on without us. And Ursay is basically saying that, hey, the running back market is what it is, and we're not going to get bullied. It isn't paying anybody, and we're also not trading him. Jonathan Taylor met with Ursay and told him point blank, I want out. I want to be traded. And he's not hiding it. He told everybody after, I've told him I want to be traded. I don't want to be an Indianapolis Colt anymore. Ursay says over his dead body, he's going to trade him. But at the same point in time, there's reports that if you offered a, a late first round, second round type thing, they would do it because they don't have a choice. Other teams are thinking, you know what, we can get him for a third or a fourth round pick. Um, but here's, a, here's an interesting scenario here. That uh, that Mike Chappell is uh, Mike Chappelle is um, is reporting out of Indianapolis. The culture contemplating placing Jonathan Taylor on the non-football injury list due to a back injury he suffered away from the team. This means if Taylor didn't play this season, his contract would just hold to 2024. They would have the right not to pay him anything in 2023. The move has not been made yet. This would be pretty extreme if they actually did this. But what what what's your take on the Taylor and the Colts situation here right now? So
2: two hours ago, John John Taylor came out on social media said, Don't believe fake news, right? That, that his back issue did not emanate from, from an offseason workout. And and now, Gabe, you're right about Ursay that don't hate on Urshi. It's it's what the CBA states, right? That that this is how we do rookie contracts, this is how we do second term contracts. And the reality is And I had a conversation at the game, at the L O S game, the reality is game, right? 30 years ago, running backs would carry the ball minimum 25, 30 times, right? That doesn't happen anymore. It's changed, right? The the value of a running back today is no longer how it was uh, back in the 1990s or back in the 80s. And you know what? A great point was brought up earlier last week where a guy like Mike Shanahan, right? He, he, He... he pretty much said, "Bleep, taking first-round running backs. Give me fifth, sixth-round running backs, and I'll have thousand-yard runners." Right? Terrell Davis, Alantis, Gary. Mike Anderson and Clinton Portis and so on and so forth here. And I think running backs, unfortunately, have now been pigeonholed or or have been paid to say, look, we cannot give you that money because we know we can go in the fifth, sixth, seventh round and get ourselves a running back that can do the exact same thing as you are at a cheaper price. And look at a guy like Pacheco for KC, right? He's become more valuable for them. And I feel for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. I feel for Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and others and Austin Eckler included because now they've been pretty much cornered in a cul-de-sac or they can't get out of it, and unless the CBA, which will not be changing for the next eight, nine years, unless the union says, look, we need to figure this out here, we're going to be stuck with this same situation game for the next eight years until we have CBA talks in 2030.
4: But you notice other players in the National Football League aren't exactly saying, well, we'll put in money for the running backs, are they? No. And right, and Jerry, Jerry Jones basically came out and said, and we see this right now, and I don't know what general manager it was. I think it might have been the Pittsburgh Steelers who said the other day that basically the running back market has been hit, and he said it's not hard to figure out why, and he pointed the blame at the quarterbacks. He said, you know, if you're paying the quarterbacks so much money, you can only pay people on offense so much, and that's not going to leave enough for the running backs, which... Is true hypothetically, but at the same point in time, that's like they're trying to, they're trying to you could also argue, Mo, they're trying to, to divert it and sort of start a little, like, you know, divide. <laughs> United we stand, divided we fall. Right? right? By basically saying, hey, listen, don't look at me. The quarterback makes all the money. Right? I mean, we have to give your quarterback all the money, and then it becomes a resentment against the quarterback. But there is something wrong with this. When Carson Wentz is making $35 million a year, and star running backs. The thing is, Jonathan Taylor is their best player. More with Mo on the other side. Bring it.
3: SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, twenty-four-seven. As our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
5: a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Don't ruin your appetites. I'm buying lunch for everybody on me. Oh, what's the occasion? I'm rich. (laughs) I won my bets on the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and I chunked it all on a hockey game, and I won that. All right, all right.
4: right. How much did you win? 116 bucks. (laughs) Well, a windfall! Yeah. Yeah, I still feel tingly. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Countdown to kickoff is on New York Jets, Cleveland Browns, Thursday night, Hall of Fame game. So, of course, Sean Payton said last week that Nate Hackett did one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, quote, with his uh, handling of the Denver Broncos uh, last year. And while he wasn't wrong, it surprised a lot of people in the coaching fraternity and uh, in the football uh, world. Sean Payton did apologize the following day and not he didn't really apologize actually he just said uh, i shouldn't have said it <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't if you actually like look at the apology he didn't say oh you know what i you know nate's a great coach and you know i was just i was I, I was out of line and i was wrong and no he didn't say that he said well you know what i still i still thought i was working at fox as an analyst smiling which is just another jerk thing to say to be honest mo so aaron Rodgers has <laughs> responded Aaron Rodgers was asked about this um, earlier in the day today at the New York Jets training camp. Uh, Quote Aaron Rodgers, It made me feel bad that someone who has accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. It was way out of line, inappropriate, and I think he needs to keep my coach's name out of his mouth. It's going to be a very fun uh, Sunday when the uh, Jets and Broncos play in October, Mo. I tell you that.
2: Yeah, you know, A-Rod, you know, I'll give you a wrestling uh, angle here, uh, Gabe. A-Rod is that typical heel wrestler that everyone was hating on for the last three, four years with how he viewed life and everything involved. And now he's starting to turn babyface, right? Where he's been embraced by the New York market. He's been embraced by his <laughs> yeah. teammates, right? And, and now he's saying, bleep you, Sean Payton. And that's uh, and it's kind of related to that and how they feel. And, and now he's become the babyface, right? And I don't disagree with him. I, I think he was right to defend Hacker, the guy who's, who's had a very close rapport with for many years in Green Bay. And for Sean Payton to say what he said, uh, you know, I heard a great quote last week saying that in the, in the coaching fraternity, you don't bleep on other coaches like you don't do that it, it's an unwritten rule that you don't do that to the credibility of person a, B, C, D that follow that precede
4: you that you're because well, you know don't how hard that. it is yeah you know now, you're supposed to know how hard it is right of course of course it's it's one of the hardest jobs because you, you you're a ceo of a professional
2: football team at that level and i think for sean Payton, like look right now the broncos are going to be better i would assume i think there, there will be a better team but they too are not in a good position because of the lack of draft picks that they have that they had this year and next year. So I just think right now for Sean Payne, he's just keep his mouth shut because in his divisional alone, you have Mahomes, you have you have Herbert. Jimmy G might be healthy for four games for all we know. But reality is this Broncos team has a lot of work to do because that roster itself is nowhere near at the level of the Chiefs, nowhere near the Bengals or even the Buffalo Bills or even the Miami Dolphins to be competitive in this division, even the Jets for that matter. So I think Peyton needs to stay quiet, just focus on his team, then talk about others that were before him in Denver.
4: And the thing is, too, what you do is also you put pressure on yourself and your own team on on for no reason. Like, honestly, coaches, Mo, as you know, you played football. Coaches – they don't want distractions. They hate when players guarantee wins or like say another team sucks. And, yeah, because they're basically like you're motivating them. You're giving them the old bulletin blackboard uh, material here. and and then also, conversely, you're setting yourself up for failure, right? Let's say the Broncos are struggling and you're 1-5, and then suddenly everyone in the world is going to be saying, hey, who's the one that's doing a horrible coaching job right now, right, Mo?
2: Right. Like, right.
4: if you're Sean Payton, you should know better and not putting pressure on yourself like that and your own football team. Yeah, and look, Sean Payton,
2: look look at his time in New Orleans, right, towards the end. He had that one year where they had the botch missed call against the Rams in the title game, but... He wasn't that great. Like towards the end of Drew Brees' career, like you relied on Drew Brees to win him games, and he couldn't do so. And you know he comes to Denver, where maybe that wasn't his first love. Maybe he wanted to go to Carolina. Maybe he wanted to go to the Chargers, which didn't open up to go coach Justin Herbert because he lives in Southern California. But I think for Sean Payne, there's huge expectations to be uh, to, to revitalize this Bronco team. And look, right now for this Bronco team. Russell Wilson, what what are we going to get from Russell Wilson this year? Because he he apparently lost weight; he's much more leaner now. Than where he was last year. Is he going to fall into line for what Sean Payton wants from that quarterback position? Can he play? I'm not saying Drew Breeslow, but can he play at that level where Sean Payton wants that quarterback position to be near perfect? It's not be beyond that. So I think, I think the Broncos have a lot more question marks. I think for Sean Payton, for this team here, uh, do I think they can win seven games, eight games. For sure they can. But can he win 9-10? I'm not too sure because, again, this team is lacking quality depth to work with behind what they have from the starting 11 from both sides of the football.
4: Their win total is eight and a half. Interesting that you say that, the Broncos' win total. If we look at the Broncos' schedule, they open up. It's a manageable schedule to start the season. So they could get a little bit of a head start and off and running. They host the Raiders in week one. Winnable win football game, yeah. Winnable football win game for them against the Raiders. They they open up with two straight home games. Then they host the Washington Commanders. So you're getting Jimmy G and the Raiders rolling in. Then you're getting Sam Howell making you know what is this his first road start? So yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so you're getting so you're getting a two and zero start here for the Broncos if you just don't screw it up. Yeah, you one. Yeah. Yeah, you go to Miami. All right. Let's say they're not going to win every game. Let's give no. the, the Dolphins that game. Then they go to Chicago. Kind of a one. toss up. But let's say they're three and one. Then you get that big. Uh, you, you get the big uh, Jets game. That's in Week Five. Jets at Broncos, October eighth. Then it gets a little bit tougher. Broncos at Chiefs. Packers at Broncos. But you got Jordan Love. Chiefs at Broncos. So they played the, the, the Chiefs early, actually, twice in three weeks. Then right. Broncos at Bills, Vikings Broncos, Browns Broncos, Broncos Texans, Broncos Chargers, Broncos Lions, Patriots at Broncos, Chargers at Broncos, Broncos at Raiders. Some people think that it's going to be boomer bust for the Broncos that they're either going to be really good, they're going to surprise everybody, and they're going to be like ten and seven or eleven and six or something, and or it just sort of implodes and Russell Wilson's not. Kind of be rejuvenated. You think what you said seven or eight? What's what's your guesstimation for the Broncos now?
2: I think by the bye week, I think they can be four and four. I think after the bye week, like that Buffalo game will not be easy because you're going to Buffalo on Monday night. <laughs> it's a Zoo, game. We know that uh, Minnesota won't be easy. Um, I can see seven wins. Um, they'll, they'll split with the Raiders. They'll probably get swept by the Chiefs, and they probably will split. If not, well, I, I think they'll probably get swept by the Chargers. So they'll have two wins in, in that division here. They'll beat the Bears. They'll beat the the, the Commanders. Uh, they should take out uh, the, the Texans. They should beat the Patriots, and they should beat um, even, even the Chargers at what extent here. But I think seven wins is probably the realistic goal for them. I think they're probably a year, if not two years away from being probably a legit set towards the Chiefs, but they're nowhere near sound of talent uh, roster of being up there with the top tier of the AFC going towards week one.
4: The Indianapolis Colt win total right now is six and a half. Now with this Jonathan Taylor situation, I mean, is Taylor really going to get through the year anyways without saying, oh, I'm hurt every week uh, now? This is an ugly situation. We don't even know if he's going to end up being on the football team. Maybe Ursay will just say, you know what, I'm telling everybody this, but let's just trade him. Maybe somebody steps up with a good offer uh, for him, although I doubt it considering how the running back market has been treated uh, right now. But with that being stated, they'd be hard-pressed to win seven football games in a perfect world with Jonathan Taylor, I think. you got this quarterback situation – Ursay wants Anthony Richardson to play. We know that Gardner Minshew's better than he is, but it is what it is. He wants Richardson to play and play, you know, probably soon. And Urse does it'll be interesting to see if Gannon and Urse if this thing um like if um or Gannon or uh what's his name? Same like, second. Steikens. Yeah, uh, the yeah. other dude with uh, Arizona. It Arizona, would be interesting right. to see yeah, Steichen's relationship with um two Philadelphia guys is for the record. Yeah, they're both coordinators for the Eagles last year. But if it implodes with Ursay. Because Ursay said, Oh, it's Steichen's decision when Richardson plays, but he goes, I want him to play. <laughs> so what does that actually really mean in the end? I don't see how this team gets to seven. Their schedule is kind of soft, but they're still a bad football team. You want to talk about a lack of depth. The Colts have a big depth problem.
2: Yeah, they started their O-line. The O-line no longer dominant as they once were. Um, you talk about I mean, The strength that they might have is receiving with Pierce and, and, uh, and Pittman Jr. to start with. Uh, defense is lacking playmakers going through this season here. Uh, and look for for Ar as a quarterback, and I watch a lot of Florida games because I'm a big Gator guy. Uh, like there, there's no question that he will be thrust into this position, and, and there's no question that for Timbersay this will be six different starting Week One quarterback in the last six years, right? And they want to have that stability of that position, but he'll he'll do some spectacular things, Gabe. And then he will have some crazy plays where you're like, what the bleep did he just do right now that cost him uh, the game or INT at a critical moment. So I think for Shane Steichen, like, I'm curious to see, will he kind of keep this as a vanilla offense early into the season to allow Richardson to kind of develop and figure things out? Because again, at Florida where, you know, he had some great moments and some bamboozling moments that at the end of the day, can he get much more consistent at that position? Because, again, he, remember, Gabe, he didn't play many games at Florida. He has, I think, like 10 starts in his career at Florida. So reality is he's not as refined as, say, as the Jalen Hurts coming to the league or guys who played three, four years at that position. So we have to kind of temper the expectations and let him develop to see where he's at after year one, if not year two.
4: What's your prediction for the Colts this year? Six, seven wins is a lot, isn't it? Six, I think they max out at six.
2: Yeah, I think five, six is probably the max. Look, they'll, go, they'll, I think they'll split the Texans. They should take out the Raiders. Um, Tennessee, I think. Look, I, I don't know what to expect from Tennessee, but they always have those, uh, those, those brain fart games that you expect them to win and they lose. So I, I think they can hit five. I think six is probably their max, but I think seven is quite enormous for them, especially in that division where I think Jacksonville will be the favorite to win the AFC South going towards Week One.
4: A team that people have high hopes for, if you look at this division, it's funny because last year everybody was laughing at them after they traded Russell Wilson, and now the Seattle Seahawks, right? Last year nobody thought they were going to be competing for a playoff spot, and now this year, after San Francisco, you could argue they're the best team in the division, uh, ahead of the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals, but today was not a good day. Kenneth Walker has a groin injury and may remain out for a while uh, quote, until they can quiet it down. And then uh, Zach Charbonnet has a shoulder injury and is getting checked. He's going to be out indefinitely right now. I guess the good news is, at least it's happening now, but it's amazing how certain franchises just have the same injuries in the same position, and it's been a problem for the Seahawks for years. And this is a pretty nice one-two punch that they have here right now. right? I mean, yeah. they've been searching for the running backs and they've had some guys, but they're hurt all the time. And now you got Walker... Incidentally, a Michigan Wolverine and a Michigan State Spartan, and Charbonnet, of course, went to UCLA as well. But this is right. a nice running back tandem that they have, but they're both hurt right now.
2: <laughs> they're relying on DJ, DJ Dallas to carry the load. But, but the thing is, Gabe, and a great quote was made last week that lack of OTAs has
4: resulted in more injuries now than before. And we're seeing these two guys go down early in training camp. We'll wrap up with Mo on the other side. Craziness in the league's cup tonight. The Vancouver Whitecaps eliminate the Los Angeles Galaxy late. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Renzi. Bring it.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: Craziness in the League Cup. It was, really was a wild game tonight with the Galaxy and the Whitecaps. The Whitecaps scored in the 91st minute. They advance. Leon and Vancouver advanced out of West 3. They're uh, broken up into regions and numbers. West 3. Uh, Mo Conkite was just for another uh, couple of moments, Mo. Massive Women's World Cup match uh, tonight. Australia and Canada. It's one of those matches in which there could be You could win the group, you could finish second in the group, or you could get eliminated, right? There's that much at stake between Australia, Nigeria, and Canada. And Australia, of course, is the host nation. They're playing in Melbourne tonight, uh, obviously sold out. Canada actually enjoy this, though, and they've they've done pretty well on the road in these situations, and they actually say they like uh, playing against other teams' crowds when it's crazy in the stadium. What do you think about tonight's match, Canada and Australia?
2: Well, you have to get the lineup right. I mean, when they played Ireland, they had that fluke goal to start off with, and they were chasing the game, and they only got more influential, I think, in the 40th minute and beyond. I think they have to set the tone, game. They have to get that first goal in Australia. They're going to have about thirty-five thousand fans at that stadium in Australia. And look, Australia was one of the favorites to get out of the group, right? And maybe make a final four run. So I think what will come down to is control the midfield. And if Canada cannot control the midfield against the Aussies, uh, they could be chasing the game and they could fatigue out. So I think for this team, gotta get the lineup right and control that central park uh, central part of the park. If you do that, uh, they could definitely advance beyond. Uh, The group stage. If they don't game, it could set the program back by years for what they couldn't do at the World Cup this year.
4: It will be a massive disappointment. It'll also be a massive disappointment for Australia if they're unable to get through. I think Canada are fine. They've only given up one goal in this tournament, and it was a crazy ass corner kick. That's like one in a million. Mo Khan, kicking it with us. Great stuff as always. uh, Mo, get some rest after uh, working a football game uh, tonight. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Speak to you soon, brother. Jason B. Takafin joins us in Level 2. Major League Baseball trade deadline rapidly approaching. This is Sports Rage.
1: Remember the Thai Cave Rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces, like the SEALs and Army Rangers, call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more.
5: Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee Governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen posed that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore,